0: I'm Keith MacArthur. Unlocking Bryson's Brain is a podcast about my son. Bryson. The <gasps> rare disease that keeps him from walking or talking. I
1: mean, Bryson's perfect, but his life is really hard.
0: And our family's search for a cure.
1: Oh my gosh, maybe science is ready for this.
0: It's part memoir, part medical mystery. We can do just about anything. Modifying DNA. My
1: heart and my throat.
0: Cure is controversial. Unlocking Bryson's Brain. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.
2: This is a CBC Podcast. Hi there, I'm Dr. Brian Goldman. We have a special bonus episode for you today from another podcast we think you might like called Let's Not Be Kidding. It's the story about a comedian, his mom, and her dementia. Comedian Gavin Crawford used to talk about his mom all the time. She was his champion, his best friend, and the source of a lot of his material. But when she got Alzheimer's disease, he found himself joking around about her less and less. It's not that his mom was no longer funny. It's just the way she became funny. Well, it's pretty serious. How are you supposed to react when your mom asks you to her high school dance? And what do you tell her when she's convinced your spouse invented the Christmas tree? If comedy equals tragedy plus time, what happens when the tragedy moves so slowly the comedy has no choice but to catch up? Silly, sweet, hilarious, and harrowing. Let's not be kidding is the answer. We have the first episode for you right now have a listen.
3: My mother had a weird thing always growing up. She always, she would always say the part that you're supposed to say loud, soft, and the part that you're supposed to say soft, loud, for some reason. And I don't know why, but going to a restaurant with my mother was always completely humiliating because she would talk very quietly to any service person. The waiter would come and say like, what can I get you? And my mom would always just be like, well, can I, I, I guess I'll just have a Coke and maybe like the the sandwich, I guess. Maybe the sandwich. Like, and the, constantly the servers are like, I'm sorry, pardon me. I I just didn't quite catch the end of it. And you'd always have to be like, "She's it's the sandwich. She'll have the sandwich. Not because she had dementia, just because she, for some reason, ordering made her voice go completely quiet. But then as soon as the waiter would walk away from the table, my mom would... Look at a woman across the restaurant who had, you know, some kind of like spiky purple hair or something like that. And then say very loudly, like, how do you like to have hair like that? And you're like, what? It's backwards, mom. Like, you you can be loud for the sandwich and quiet for the that woman's got too many kids. But I don't know. So that was that's the voice she used. My name is Gavin Crawford. I'm a comedian, an actor, and a writer. I came up through Second City. I had my own show on Comedy Network. I was on the Sour Ass 22 Minutes, a sketch show for a number of years. Now I host a comedy quiz show on CBC Radio. You might remember me from all of those things, some of those things, or you might not remember me at all. If you're my mother... And that's what this podcast is about. So what is this going to be called? I don't know. I was calling it Let's Not Be Kidding because that's something my mother always, whenever she's like laying it on the line, she's like, you're not getting the part in that play. Let's not be kidding. (laughs) That was her lay it on the line, so i tentatively calling it that, but I don't know. Yeah. Most of the people I know are a- entertainers in some fashion. Mm-hmm. And so I didn't mm-hmm. set out for it to be a, like, here's comedians talking about sad shit. Okay. but Com- It's like comedians and cars getting caught. It's like comedians yeah. cars talking yeah. about Alzheimer's.
4: <laughs> Maybe that's what you should call it. Yeah.
3: That's basically what it's turned out to be. I know.
4: I'm constantly-
3: This like is Rachel I'm Matlow, podcast producer and author of the memoir- Dead mom walking. It's just a lot. It is a lot. Where's your mother at right now? She is in Lethbridge, in a home, in a care facility, in an. But
4: besides the location, facility. like where uh, she at in her
3: head? Oh, uh I don't know. Where she's at in her head is um she's sort of forgotten how to walk. She doesn't talk that much. There's a lot of staring off into the distance. Mm-hmm. Occasionally, she'll sort of know who you are, you know. I just do a lot of like holding her hand until Mm -hmm. she gets annoyed and then wants to like push her wheelchair around in a circle for a while.
4: Uh, Yeah, so it sounds, yeah, she's further along than my dad.
3: I mean, I find myself just joking, making jokes because for the last eight or nine years, I've been navigating life with my mother's increasing dementia and I decided to make this podcast because I realized that I just don't talk about my mom anymore, which is a shame because I used to talk about my mom a lot because A she was kind of my best friend for a long time and also she was just incredibly funny and fun to be around and just an endless supply of ridiculous comedy but then I hit a point where people would be like you know how's your mom and I I would find myself saying like oh you know we're she's fine we're fine next subject anyone seen any good movies lately do you want a, a coffee or something how about a snack just to change the subject, because I couldn't talk about it because I didn't want people to feel sad. I do not want to make people depressed. But, you know, I also want to talk about it because I don't want to forget, you know, how funny my mom was. I always used to find it funny the way that my mom would swear because you would swear, but she had a trick where she would drop the word out and she was very good at it. Like one time she was getting very flustered about trying to find... The spice rack was very disorganized, and she was very flustered, and all of a sudden she just threw the spices down. she was like, spices like she would do she would just do that. she was like, "Oh, for fakes, gavin, what what do I have to put up with this bull and she would just self censor herself, you know I remember once we were driving back from Cape Breton after. My husband Kyle's sister's wedding and my mom had gone and done the flowers for it. And we were driving back across Canada and we had stopped at the IHOP somewhere. Somewhere in Quebec there was an IHOP.
5: This was way early on, like back when I was still kind of like the interloper that wrecked his first relationship. Uh, (laughs) That's Kyle.
3: My mom and he had a pretty tight relationship.
5: But we were at the IHOP, and we were just looking at the menu. and she's like, oh, Kyle, you might enjoy the rollover fruit slam. <laughs> and everyone was like, what? Mom?
3: And then she's like, what? It's got strawberries and blueberries. I know Kyle likes that.
5: Everyone was laughing, and I, you can't tell with her if she was just, you know, making a suggestion genuinely, or if she was, you know, being a... Yeah, I tend to think it was intentional. <laughs>
3: But she would always play innocent. It was her favorite thing to do. I remember my sister walked in kind of bedraggled after a party one time. And my mom, there was a lot of people sitting in the living room. And my mother just said, Wow, you look like you've been rode hard and put away wet. And everyone was kind of like, Mom! And she's like, you know what, like a horse, you know. But you could tell from the twinkle in her eye, she knew what she was saying.
1: She really did have shitty luck when it came to health and, like, had, like, a lot of cancer and stuff. Like, she never liked to be, like, cooped up. She always loved to, like, be able to go and do, like, what she wanted.
3: This is my youngest sister, Regan, who, personality-wise, is probably the most like my mom.
1: So at least she has a disease where she doesn't really remember that feeling. Or if you're going to be locked in a home during a pandemic, probably you want to have a condition like that as opposed to maybe something else where you know and you want to go see your family or you, you can remember people. So you're actually missing people like she's not missing anyone because she doesn't remember anyone. So that's kind of lucky for her in a sense.
3: What's happening now is surprising only in the fact that my mom has been through so much already, she always seemed slightly unkillable. We used to joke, like, at the end of everything, there would be, like, cockroaches and Cher and my mom. Because she had, like, polio when she was eight and then recovered from that, and then she had cancer for the first time, I think, when I was in university in about 1993, and then beat that, and then it came back again in like 2003, and she beat it again, and then it came back in 2008, and she had a stem cell transplant, I think when she was like, I don't know, maybe 64 or something, just on the cusp of when you were still eligible to have a stem cell transplant, but it worked, and since then she's been cancer-free, and I think that's one of the reasons why it took us so long as a family to kind of really face up to what was actually happening. Because, I mean, my mom would definitely forget things, but, you know, she had had a full stem cell transplant, and she would just chalk it up to something they called chemo brain. So we just kind of rolled with that idea for a long time. Probably way too long. In this podcast, I'm trying to find a way to talk about the harrowing and the hilarious things that we've been through over the last eight or nine years. But before I get to that, I should probably paint a bit of a picture of what my mom was like before she was like what she's like now. My mom, Donna Jean Anderson, was born in 1944 in Fort McLeod, Alberta, which is a very tiny prairie town. If you want to have a picture of what it looks like, it's where they filmed Brokeback Mountain in Fort McLeod. So... If you picture one main road with a few little houses and uh, erase the hot gay cowboys, that's Fort McLeod. My mom was always really cosmopolitan. For someone who grew up in the tiniest of southern Alberta towns, she had a real cosmopolitan air about her. And she always liked to be just ahead of the curve. She could make anything. She could sew Anything. So she sewed a lot of her own clothes. She sewed her own grad dress. She made a lot of our clothes when we were growing up. I don't know how she developed such a cosmopolitan air coming from where she came from. I guess it was magazines because my mother, she loves a magazine. She still loves a magazine. Except now she likes to rip the pages out. <sighs> Ugh.
4: She was awesome. She was cool and hilarious and irreverent and incredibly caring without being a smotherer.
3: This is Carrie Sackney, who's known both me and my mom since grade six.
4: I mean, your house was where all the kids went. And if any kid was having trouble, they were always living at your house. Every time I went over there, there was some new kid living in the basement.
5: (laughs) We always had strays.
4: But she was not necessarily like other mothers. She always had fun stuff to show. She always had interesting things to say. She always had a story. She was great to hang out with if you had stories to tell, because she would become more and more animated, but... If you didn't feel like talking, you could just sit back, relax, and enjoy the show.
3: (laughs) That's true. (laughs) Yeah, my mother wasn't big on silence. But she did really champion the underdog. We did have strays at our house all the time. So much so that once I came home and there was a guy sleeping on the couch and I thought it was my sister's friend... My sister thought it was my friend, but it turned out it was just a man who wandered into our house and took a nap on the couch. And nobody even batted an eye. Eventually, like a day later, we were like, what was your friend doing here? And everyone was like, that's not my friend. But that was my mom. She was just kind. Kind almost to a fault. At least if you were one of her children. I found an old journal of my mother's where she talks about my eighth birthday and uh, is somehow blissfully unaware that I wasn't enjoying the party because she had actually invited all of my school bullies. This is her journal entry from my eighth birthday, April 2nd, 1979. Today is Gavin's eighth birthday. I'm cooking a special roast beef dinner. We use the new china. Gavin was very pleased. He said, dinner by candlelight? My birthday must be pretty special, eh? Tomorrow, we will have a birthday party for his class. This is the entry from the day of the party. Today was the day of the big party. Twelve little boys make you happy that you've had a few girls. Due to the fact that I put money in the cake, there wasn't a crumb left. Gavin, for his part, liked the party enough, but he sure doesn't seem to like noise and hassle for very long. He was very happy to call it quits and go to his judo lesson. Yes, that's right, I took judo. Not of my own choice. That was during the phase where my parents were very I'll make a man out of you, and my dad put me in t-ball and baseball and hockey and judo, hoping any manly thing would stick.
0: Uh... Available now on CBC Listen or wherever you get your podcasts.
3: My mom and I are really alike in a lot of ways. One of the ways we are alike is that neither of us exactly fit in rural southern Alberta. Here's a clip of me long after I left appearing on CBC's The Hour with George Strombolopoulos. Welcome
2: to the show, man. nice to you. Hey, nice to, thank to, to have you. on the program. All right, so,
0: when you, were, when you were going to, did you fit in in your hometown? Did you have a moment where you looked around and went, i got to get out of here. The things that I want to do, this isn't working for me here.
5: Oh, no, there
3: was tons of little gay kids in southern Alberta. <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, I'm the only kid probably that, like, asked for the soundtrack to Evita for, like, my 12th birthday. <laughs> you know, and then, like, when the girl that I liked at the time didn't, go out with me you know I would drive around like at 16 driving around be like don't cry for me Sarah Miller the truth is I never liked you (laughs) and oddly that did turn out to be true I liked her brother Paul
5: so um, (laughs) what can you do it happens that way
3: Because of the pandemic, I wasn't able to travel back to Alberta for almost 18 months. Uh, so I wasn't able to see my mom at all in the care home until July of 2021 when I finally made it back. Well, we're finished this right up. So, it tastes good. Or has it-
0: this time.
3: The last bite here. Listen up. You want to try this juice? When I finally get to Alberta, a lot has changed. Even in just a year and a half, she's, well, she's, she's pretty quiet now, and she doesn't remember how to walk anymore, and... The stupidest thing is that she's wearing a pastel pink hoodie, and for some reason this is what upsets me the most. Because who is this lady? I think that's about it, yeah.
1: Like, I've never seen her wear a hoodie
3: No, it's the, the, like, entire like, life. Someone get that lady a cheetah print and a <laughs> leather cap. My youngest sister, Regan, again.
1: She doesn't want that. You need to get her a cashmere sweater because she doesn't wear hoodies. If she's cold, she gets a sweater, probably cashmere. Turtleneck? Yes. Scoop neck. No.
3: Do you have to think really hard to like remember before, Mom?
1: I mean, a little, but I still do remember. But it's very vivid what she's like now, but it's just not her.
3: Do you think of them as different people?
1: I think of her as like she's like trapped in there and she's super pissed.
3: <laughs>
1: no, I really do. Like, I, I don't... can see on her face like she's like she's not there. She's a vacant stare. But I also think like if she like she would be so pissed that the only way she could cope is just to like completely like she's like a zombie.
3: This sounds terrible, but in my brain, mom's kind of unkillable. she's already had like cancers a stem cell like I feel like she could live to be like a hundred and ten
1: I mean I yeah kind of but like this is like just she's already killed
3: So that's where we are now in the present, where I'm meeting this woman, and I'm thinking this woman is not my mother, but also I know that she is my mother. And sometimes I can tell it's her from, I don't know, an eye roll or a look in her eye. It's just a certain look that says, let's not be kidding. My mother was a very waspy woman. She was very socially appropriate. And she didn't really like to talk smack about people, but she did like to let you know that she saw it all. And the way she would do that is she would sort of weaponize, let's not be kidding. For instance, if I was in a play and uh, wasn't a particularly good play, my mom would say, you know, well, I thought you were great, but let's not be kidding. And then not elaborate any further than that. Or she would say about one of my father's friends, like, you know, oh, John's a fine fellow, he's friendly enough, but let's not be kidding. It was just to let you know that she knew the lay of the land. The only other consistent thing about my mom is that she was also always freezing. Once we were driving through Death Valley and she was like, can we just warm it up a little bit? We used to call her Frostfingers. We always used to joke that, like, if my mother went to hell, she'd be the one person wandering around being like, is there management in here? Can we get the thermostat turned up just a titch? Like, Mom, we're literally on a lake of fire right now. Well, you think that they could heat it. We're going to have turkey and sweet potatoes and turnip puff. Do you like turnip puff?
2: Mm. Yeah. Sounds really good. Yeah. (laughs)
3: When I finally got back to visit my mom after the lockdowns ended, we brought her out of the home and back to my dad's place, or what was our childhood home, and sat her down in front of a roaring fire. And of course, she was still freezing. You want your hands in this blanket? Are they cold?
2: This can go right up over your chin.
3: Yeah, is that what you want? Right up? Just a nice, cozy, warm? All right, there we go. How's that?
2: I don't know if that's anything you want
3: there or not. Now you're like a burrito. It's made you it into a momrito. I guess part of what was so startling in returning to Alberta after all that time was to see this new person who's just kind of sitting there staring off into space or kind of pushing her wheelchair around the hallways in an effort to keep busy. And knowing how frustrating that must be for my mom because she never sat still. My mom was always busy. My mom had wanted to go to art school, but according to her, my grandparents wouldn't fund that, so she ended up becoming a teacher. She taught at the deaf school, also at the school for, I'm going to say, troubled kids while she was putting my dad through dental school. There's five kids in my family. My mom had five kids, eight pregnancies. That's the way she always used to say it just breezing it through. She was like, well, I have five kids, eight pregnancies. She was always working on some project, whether it was doing flowers for someone's wedding, funeral designs, the lights for my sister's dance recital. She ended up at one point starting an interior design business with one of her friends. She was always doing something. So we called her a stay-at-home mom, but we were, we were all kind of latchkey kids. So that's before mom, and I can't really pinpoint the exact moment when she started to change. What was the moment, and should I have noticed it? Did I notice it, and did I just pretend not to notice it like everybody else? I would talk to my mom on the phone at least once a week, probably twice a week, pretty much throughout my whole life. She would phone up just out of the blue, or I would phone her and just be like, Hi, Gav. Just, it's just me. So she always introduced herself. I'm like, yes, Mom, I've known you my entire life. You don't have to tell me. It's just you. But there was a point where sometimes my phone would ring and I would answer, and I would say, like, hello. And my mom would be like, oh, oh, Gavin. Hi. It's just me. And I knew that she was trying to call someone else. But she would recover from it incredibly quickly. And be like, you know, I just thought I'd call. And I'm like, are you sure? And sometimes at the end of the phone call, I'd be like, oh, yeah. Did you have another phone call that you needed to make, Mom? She's like, oh, I don't know. Maybe uh, I should probably call your dad. Uh just to see when he's coming home from hunting or whatever. <laughs> Suffice to say, we should have known it was coming, but it took us all a while
5: to see it. You know, there came a point where I was watching her like and I I don't think anyone I think they were kind of in denial about it
3: this again is Kyle
5: I would say to Gavin like you gotta this is something's you know she can't remember where she's supposed to be going or I feel like I can't leave her alone anymore and I felt like I was the only one saying, there's something happening here when it was starting, because I was with her and I saw her not be able to navigate shopping.
3: It's funny that that's the thing that really drove it home was the shopping. Anyone that spent any time with my mother knows she loves to shop. She shopped like a detective. She didn't really ever buy anything. She just needed to find the clues. She was like the Columbo of shopping. She would always turn back at the last second and be like, ah, just one more thing.
5: She was so frustrating to shop with because she would never buy anything. She would just, I'd just be like, please buy something to make it worthwhile that I'm Coming with you. I'm just, she's just looking and she was never sure. She's like, Well, I'll come back. I'm like, Well, you're not going to come back. And I think she just liked the process of shopping. Like, it was just her fun. It wasn't like she ever needed anything. I mean, to just give you an example, once I was at a mall where there was a gas leak
3: and my mother stayed in the store while they were carrying people out on stretchers. And I was yelling at her in the change room that we had to go because there was a gas leak. And she just kept yelling back from the change room, Oh, for God's sakes, Gavin, you'll say anything to get me out of this change room. Give me a minute. Here's when I knew. We were at the Eaton Center. Maybe 2060, my parents had flown from Lethbridge, where they live, to shop. And spend a few weeks with myself and my husband, Kyle. Now, as I said, normally we don't shop together. Normally my mother finds me annoying and we separate and she doesn't like to be rushed. So it's just, let's meet by such and such fountain at such and such a clock. And we basically have an understanding that my mom will eventually come sauntering up to that fountain. Probably 45 minutes to an hour after she's agreed to meet us. And uh, she'll have one small bank. Anyways, that's normal. That was normal. But that day in 2016 was the day that I realized there wasn't a normal anymore. So we're at the Eaton Center. It's probably around Christmas time. the decorations are up. We make the usual plan. We'll meet by the giant Christmas tree at 3.30 and Kyle goes off to buy Christmas presents and I go off in the other direction to buy whatever it is that I want to buy and as i leave i kind of notice my mom's just sort of lingering by the tree ostensibly i guess deciding which direction she wants to begin the treasure hunt in so we come back a couple of hours later um and i find my mother already waiting for us by the big tree and i say to kyle oh my mom's early and kyle looks at me and says gavin I don't think she ever left.
5: When I came back, she was at the same table. Like, I think she'd probably been circling it for, like, the whole time I was gone. It was just impossible to me that she went elsewhere and came back. She just was kind of like, this table is where I'm staying.
3: Now, I don't believe this, so I just shrug and say, no, I mean, you know... There's no way my mom just stood there for two hours in the middle of the Eaton Center with all these stores around. She's probably just finally on time for once. And Kyle says, she has no bangs. So I said to Kyle, that's not unusual. She never buys anything until the third trip, anyways. But even as I'm saying that, I know that he's right. So now we know. We know what it is, we know how it started, and we know basically where the ride goes. But I guess what I'm looking for here are the peaks in the roller coaster that only goes down. I mean, they say comedy is tragedy plus time, but, you know, what do you do when the tragedy unfolds so unbearably slowly, that the comedy has no choice but catch up. It's been kind of strange processing this, trying to figure out how do I talk about my mom, especially with the kind of brain that wants to turn everything into a joke. I mean, anyone that's been on this journey or has dealt with this kind of long grief knows there are jokes to be had, and you kind of need to have them. But it also feels wrong. Over the next six episodes, I'll sort of track the progression of my mom's Alzheimer's, and I also talk with friends of mine who have experienced or are experiencing similar things with their loved ones. One of those people is singer-songwriter Jan Arden, who's been very open about her mother's journey through Alzheimer's. Here's how she put it.
1: I came to understand that my mom was in two places, and she's straddling two places, but she's in this physical body. She said to me one day, your body's your spaceship, and your soul is your pilot. I was like, what? And it it still sticks with me. Well, you can't take your body with you where your soul goes, because you can't breathe up there. I'm like, no, you can't." and uh, but I just she, your mother's on a journey, and wherever she is in that realm that we can't access, she's fine too, and it's her journey to make.
3: Jan and I have occasionally been texting back and forth over the last four or five years, uh, just offering each other support. And she sent me this one funny text, just checking in, you know, how are you doing? How's your mom? And I just texted back, I should try and find it because it was funny. Hang on, what's it? I need to find that uh, thread because she said something very funny. This is from 2020. Uh, just saying I've been thinking about you through all of this and I can't fathom the lockdown. That's the worst part of all of this. And, uh, I just wrote back, I'm listening to a lot of records and having, you know, sudden crying jags in between and trying to write jokes. So that's fun. Um, thanks for checking in. It's just nice to know someone else knows the deep fuckery of this. Twitch Jan just wrote, uh, it's beyond shit. And then wrote the Beyond Shit Burger, which is exactly what it is. So I guess what I'm trying to do here is look for the corn in the Beyond Shit Burger to see if there's something good that we can pick out of all of this. So this is probably going to be a sad story but it also has its funny parts, as my mom would say, let's not be kidding. Coming up next time on Let's Not Be Kidding. How long has it been for your mom? She's still alive, and she's, but she's... Um, how long has it been? Since she started to descend.
2: You said eight years? I think
3: it's about eight years. It's been about eight years when it was, like, more than just the occasional sign. Then there's the years where she uh, replaced her moisturizer with bronzer.
2: <laughs>
3: and just would come out of the bathroom with like an Oompa Loompa, like a circle, an orange circle of Oompa Loompa <laughs> because she thought she was moisturizing and you'd, she'd be like, ready to go to the store? And you're like, no, you are not. Oh, uh, that's sad. Oh. You don't see a, a really good gay son would have put the moisturizer on his face and said, see, mom, now we look the same. And then you go out together. <laughs> How dare you, gay son, shame me. <laughs> uh, gay sons and their demented moms. Certified mother's boy. That's next time on Let's Not Be Kidding. You've been listening to Let's Not Be Kidding from CBC Podcasts. The show is written and hosted by me, Gavin Crawford. David Carroll is my producer, story editor, and sound designer. Emily Cannell is our digital coordinating producer. Original music by William Lamoureux. Our senior producer is Damon Fairless. Executive producers are Cecil Fernandez and Chris Oak. Tanya Springer is the Senior Manager of CBC Podcasts, and Arif Narani is the Director.
2: That was the first episode of the brand new podcast, Let's Not Be Kidding. Hear more right now on the CBC Listen app and everywhere you get your podcasts. For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca
3: slash podcasts.